Welcome to MFM Speaks Out. This is the official podcast of the not-for-profit advocacy organization founded and led by Sarab Sadat Lejavardi called Musicians for Musicians. Whether through education, networking, or political action, MFM's ultimate goal is to elevate the work of all musicians to the level of a true profession. We encourage you to get involved by using the hashtags on social media, Unity in the Music Community, and Making Music is a Profession. We encourage you to visit musiciansformusicians.org to sign up and join our organization. Or if you would like to become a supporter, please go to our website as well. My name is Adam Reifsteck, and in this episode, I'm interviewing producer and trumpeter Donald Malloy, also known as Wave Magnetic, about his music career and how to get started in live streaming your performances as a potential revenue stream while the pandemic continues to affect the livelihood of professional musicians. Let's begin by listening to a first track from Donald's latest Virtual Vibes EP titled Light is on the Rescue.
So welcome, Donald. Thanks for joining the MFM podcast today. Well, thanks for having me. Could you give us a little bit of a bird's eye view of your journey in music and some of your background? Uh, well, you know, I started playing music because of the school band. <laughs> um, that You know, it was like in fourth grade, they call you down to, uh, to the band room like, hey, you want to play an instrument? And so I'm like, uh, yeah, I go down mm-hmm. there and they only let us pick three instruments to try. Mm. So they had a bunch of instruments lined up and they're like, okay, you can try three instruments because they don't want a whole bunch of kids just playing any old thing. Yep. So I'm like, all right, uh, I'll try the saxophone. I'll try the trumpet. And I think I picked like the clarinet or something like that. And so I tried them all and uh, the saxophone was just too crazy for me. I was like, man, what am I going to do with all these buttons? Yeah. <laughs> and same thing with the clarinet. I was like, God, this is crazy. And so I was like, well, trumpet should be easy. It's only got three keys on it. That should be good. Yeah. And uh, I found out that I was very wrong. It's actually <laughs> the hardest instrument to play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had a similar situation in fourth grade as well. And I, I ended up picking the trumpet too. So we're kind of... Like mine, I think the flute was in there as well, and I could not get a sound out of the flute at all. So, you know, I still, to this day, if I pick up a flute, I don't know how they do it. But oh, no, so. man, all them buttons, I'm like, God, yeah. <laughs> for sure, uh, yeah. But that's that's pretty much how I got into music, and uh, you know, joined the jazz band in middle school, and got in the, the jazz band in high school, did some marching band stuff, and. Um, I really started taking it seriously when I got to, well, I was kind of serious about it in eighth grade, Mm -hmm. but I had no idea what to do. Uh, so I was at the eighth grade level. I started looking for things outside of school to do. So when I got in high school, a buddy of mine, um, he was like, Hey man, you should come and, and, uh, come down to the after school program that I do at the community college down the road. So I was like, all right, cool. So I just went with them one of the days and uh, there was a jazz band that that was run at the school, at the college for um, high school students. And so I did, I started doing that program and I really got into that. I started learning a lot really fast. And so then my 11th grade year in school, uh, we had, I just out in Ohio, because I'm from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So in Ohio, they have this thing called uh, post-secondary enrollment options. And basically what that means is the state will pay for any high school kid to go to college mm-hmm. as long as you can get in. So my, uh, I took all the tests and everything and my 11th and 12th grade year, I didn't go to high school at all. I went to the, co- I went to the community college down the road, to, down to Tri-C and mm-hmm. I did the jazz studies program there. So that's kind of how I got really serious. And then from there, I went to Oberlin Conservatory Mm -hmm. and got my undergrad there. And uh, then I went to uh, Rutgers to uh, get my master's. And ever since then, I've just been playing music in New York. So as a a trumpeter, you you mentioned you you come from uh, the jazz and the classical background. What um, kind of inspired you to infuse uh, electronic dance music with, with your work? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of been a, a journey right there. Yeah. 
when I when I really think about it, uh, the first music that I really actually liked wasn't jazz. Mm. So um, I actually, <laughs> I mean, I know this is this might be kind of left field, but like I was mostly into like Orisha music, mm. and like they there's this one band. It was called Synthesis back in like, I think they're from, they started I think in the 80s or something. And they took old Orisha music, like spirit, African spiritual music, mm. and they merged that with the electronic sounds of the 80s. And they turned this old music like into this really crazy, like hip, like wild stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I want to do that. <laughs> I want to, that's, that's so cool. That's so amazing. And so um, what I, that was always in my head, even though mm-hmm. I was learning jazz and classical music and stuff. Uh, but then when I got to, uh, it was got to be like 2012, I had just gotten off tour with a circus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got, I moved into um, uh, Arno, uh, ugh, Spike Lee's dad was my landlord. And uh, in that house, we was listening to all different kinds of stuff. Like YouTube came out around that time, was full of serious around that time. Mm-hmm. And I checked out this band called uh, Noah. And I don't know if you know what Noah is. Noah is a duo. It's an electronic duo where this guy, he produces, Lewis Cole, he's a producer and a drummer. And then the uh, singer, her name was uh, Genevieve Atardi. And together they made this group Norway. It was just, they took all of these um, pop songs and they did all these arrangements of them and made them sound really crazy and really hip and like dance music. And I was just like, yo, this is crazy. And then I heard uh, uh, Evan Marion and Dana Hawkins. And I saw how they put the whole production thing together with their playing. And I was just like, yo, you can, you can do stuff like this. So I was just like, when I was on tour with the circus, there was no creative music that I could do. Mm. Like it was just playing da, 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 and <laughs> playing for tigers and stuff, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> so like for me, my my only real creative outlet was I'll be sitting in like sitting in the Mac truck, just like playing video games and producing songs. Mm. And but I had like no real goal with it. I was just like, oh, I have an idea, so I was just made it. And it sounded like crap because I didn't have good sounds and I didn't really understand what that meant and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. And so I did that. I just made a bunch of stuff. And when I got back into New York after the circus was over and I saw those two bands, I was like, wait a minute, these they're doing all these duos. I'm like, I can do a drum and trumpet duo. Mm. So I like, I got these tracks. Let me see if this works. So my roommate was a uh, Kush Abaday at the time and uh he was just he was down to try some stuff out so we rehearsed and and we tried a bunch of stuff out and tried to make the tracks work and mind you people tell people think that playing to a track is easy (laughs) (laughs) yeah like oh it's just a track no it is hard to make Mm -hmm. that stuff sound good Mm -hmm. oh my god so we worked that out and we wound up booking a gig and uh we saw we had like a really good crowd there between, you know, our band and we did three other groups too. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, and I saw how people responded to it. 
And that's when I said, okay, this is serious. I'm like, I'm never going back. I'm like, I can't do the jazz quartet thing ever again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's pretty much how I got into it. Since then you've, you've been uh, touring the United States and uh, you, you um, worked alongside Blitz the Ambassador. Can you t- tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, Blitz is really cool. Um, he's a rapper mm. and, uh, I guess now he's kind of like a film producer or film director now. Yeah. And, uh, so it's really cool. Like that band, it's like, I don't, I always think of it as a mixture of James Brown mm. meets, uh, Fela Kuti meets Busta Rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Cause it's crazy. Um, but yeah, uh, one of my friends actually, uh, recommended me for that gig and, uh, yeah, we've been touring. We still tour. I mean, we haven't since, you know, the whole COVID thing, mm-hmm. but, um, like right before the COVID thing, I did a, uh, a Ted talk with him out mm. in, um, in Scotland. So speaking of COVID, uh, yeah, it kind of has kind of thrown a wrench in all of our, um, you know, careers as musicians, how, how has it affected you and how have you kind of adapted, you know, to, to no gigs and, you know, performing live? In person? <laughs> well, I mean, live streaming is where it's at nowadays. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to make any money at this or, or just build a better connection with your fans, which mm-hmm. will translate to a lot of money when this is over with. Yeah. Um, you got to get into live streaming and, uh, or just in general, just putting out a lot of content, you know? Um, so like for me, like I, I just make sure that I put out a lot of content and I live stream about right now. I'm kind of live streaming like once a week in mm-hmm. terms of performing. And then I sell a, uh, a package, uh, we call it virtual vibes. Mm. where um, you, what I do is I make an EP and then I make a t-shirt mm-hmm. and uh, I give, I sell the t-shirt, the EP, and I sell the stems to the EP mm. all together in a package. And the people can come to the concert. Uh, it's a private link that I give people to come mm. to this concert and uh, I basically just sell that to my fans and they get a new T-shirt each time. They get new songs before they're sent to Spotify. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been actually working out pretty well. As you said, you had success with monetizing through live streaming um, in other projects. What what have you learned from this experience and, and what advice would you have for musicians that kind of want to get into that, you know, the, and don't, don't really know where to start? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that I don't care what business you do. Mm. The game now is content. That's the game. It's Mm. attention. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's funny how it's like you can sell attention. Like if you get a lot of people to be interested in what you're doing, you can one, you can sell them things. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason why I'm able to sell stuff is because I'm able to uh, get my message in front of people mm-hmm. and find the people who resonate with my message. And mm-hmm. then I can sell them stuff because right. they like what I do. The other thing you can do is if you can get a lot of attention, you can sell your attention to other companies. Mm. So like 
it's um it's like uh what they call it, like brand deals you know mm-hmm. it's kind of like a brand deal or being and getting endorsed by like a horn company or something like that mm-hmm. you know what i mean except for you know there's many ways you could do it it don't have to be a horn company it could be i've heard of people going down to like some of like uh some of the stores or restaurants and stuff around in the area and mm-hmm. asking them to um sponsor them and they get money and then uh they post that that restaurant's uh information on their streams or on their gigs or something like they might have a poster saying uh the name of the band sponsored by blah 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 at this mm-hmm. address and like that's worth money <laughs> if you yeah. got enough attention well let's take a listen to the second track from your virtual vibes ep this one is titled worthy to all my loyal ones to all my loyal ones riding with me to infinity to all my ride and die to all my ride and die through thick and thin we steady building and you love me with my faults and all you don't wanna see me fall smiling road tripping all the way to montreal on the flip have you ever Friend of me, you got a tight grip Drilling holes in my ship, you know I'm ready to dip You see me as your little pawn A character in your marathon This toxic relationship desperately holding on
so many misleading headlines these days about Facebook and their changes to the listening experiences, uh, you know, live streaming on, on October 1st. So how, you know, how have you run into any issues with live streaming in terms of, you know, getting your content pulled or, or rights, you know, violations or that sort, sort of thing? No, I never had a problem with anything yeah. like that. But at the same time, I do my own music. Right. So, cause like, if you, like, if you're a DJ, mm-hmm. man, I feel bad for you. because like i don't know i think this is really going to affect the djs because Mm. they're not playing their own music right unless you're a dj producer Mm -hmm. um you might have a hard time with this because they might start pulling all kinds of stuff Mm because a friend of mine now this is this is the funny thing is like everybody's tripping about this whole like facebook thing with the what it's saying but yeah. it's been saying this since the beginning. Right. This ain't even different. It's the <laughs> yeah. exact same thing. Because like, I have a friend who did a cover, I forgot the name of the song, but he did a cover of some song and he had another one of my friends sing it. So mm-hmm. he's one of my, he's, he's a trombone player. Uh, actually, y'all might know uh, Paul the Trombonist. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, back, this is before he be, you know, we started really getting popular with his thing. Mm-hmm. This is back in like 2012 or something. Mm-hmm. He did a cover of some song with another one of my friends and uh, Facebook pulled it down and they banned him from posting for like two weeks. Wow. Because he did a cover of somebody else's song and that and that particular song, they didn't want it up. You mm-hmm. know, the, the record company, they didn't have the deal for it. Right. But like, if you're doing your own music, then... Uh, it's not a big deal. So to that end, you know, the Facebook's copyright system really doesn't work the same way that YouTube's content ID system works because you can do, I mean, I think there's like a a limit. You have to have so many subscribers or something for YouTube for live streaming. So I think there, it's it's a little little easier, I think, in in terms of the platform with YouTube because they'll just slap, most cases they'll just monetize you know, they'll do issue the copyright, you know, warning, and then then um, the rights owners gets the the ad revenue from that. But it doesn't really happen on Facebook, and I think their solution, you know, is to just kind of pull content. Um, how would you say? How would you see? How do you see like these bit these social media platforms and big tech? They're kind of either helping or hindering. You know, as a rights holder too. What what is what is your thoughts on sort of what their the tech solution is like with pulling content and stuff like that is it hindering artists from being creative or you know is it is it a good thing i guess well the thing about pulling content i don't think that helps anybody mm-hmm. uh i mean if it if, if it's a problem just make the deal so that everybody can get paid mm-hmm. uh because i i mean i encourage my fans to make remixes and um, put posts up. I mean, mm-hmm. I tell people post up, take the video and mm-hmm. post it on your YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I don't care because I'm going to get all kinds of money from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and it makes them feel good because they're like, yeah, this is something that I rock with and I stand by this. So mm-hmm. it's a win win to me. They put up the thing and they feel good about themselves. And then I get paid for it, you know, the way it is on YouTube, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, it's funny, like, because I don't have a thousand uh, 
subscribers on my YouTube channel just yet. I just hit 805. I'm mm. almost there. <laughs> so I can't monetize my channel right now with ads. Mm -hmm. I'm still under that. Uh, so, but, but the thing is, is that I can still make money because my distributor collects mm -hmm. the money for when people post, uh, my YouTube post their, my music on their YouTube channels. Right. So it's really funny when I get a, uh, a YouTube copyright claim on my own music, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, people will trip out. They're like, Oh my God, how are you going to put a claim on my own music? It's my song. Take the claim off. Right. I'm like, no, no. that's stupid. <laughs> You yeah. you will collect money for yourself because yeah. it, if you don't have a thousand followers, then you can't collect the money. But mm -hmm. if you know what I'm saying, so but you got your distributor collecting the money for it, so let them claim it. Otherwise, you get nothing. Right, <laughs> for sure. So since these days you can get you know music for free, um, what are some of the other ways you've kind of monetized? listeners to actually pay you for the for your music um honestly i i don't really charge them for my music mm -hmm. i'm good with the whole like not paying for my music thing just because this is just the era that we're in and i'm mm -hmm. just like kind of like accepting it i know that like if i'm at a gig i can sell cds mm -hmm. and they'll probably never listen to them but you know they want to support me and it makes them feel good because you know all that kind of stuff um but uh, yeah, I don't really monetize my music. I use my music to monetize other stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like selling t-shirts, selling my live stream concerts. Um, I'm starting to sell sample packs. Mm -hmm. um, I have uh, presets, like Ableton presets that I sell. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, doing all this, it's funny how like, okay, the other day I did a stream on Facebook. And, um, you know, it was like my regular people who came in and was like, you know, supporting, you know, had people giving tips. That's the other thing is when you live stream, you can put a donation yeah. thing. Virtual, and, tip, uh, jar. virtual yeah. tip jar. That that really helped. That, was, that really works. I mean, there's days where I'll, I'll bring in like three, four hundred bucks. Yeah. You know? But at the same time, don't get it twisted. There's some days where I don't make nothing. So like <laughs> <laughs> sure. you have your good days and your bad days. Yeah. But this one day in particular, I did the stream. There's some new guy showed up on my stream. He instantly became a fan. He was so into what I was doing, right? Mm -hmm. So then uh, he messages me, asked me if I could give him trumpet lessons. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, no problem. So then um, he sees that I put the virtual vibes thing out. He buys the virtual vibes thing, the package, right? So mm -hmm. now he gets four songs. He gets all of these. He gets sample packs from me mm -hmm. and he gets this t-shirt from me, right? Then uh, I do another live stream and he's like, oh man, I love, I want to give you a tip, but I can't give you a tip, right? I don't have PayPal, he says. Mm. So I'm like, all right, that's no problem. Uh, you know what? Don't worry about the tip. Why don't you just buy three trumpet lessons from me in advance and I'll give you one tip, one trumpet lesson for free. Mm. This guy goes on my page and buys three trumpet lessons that right that moment. Yeah. So like it's like there's so many ways to monetize. My yeah. music allowed me to get a trump a trumpet student. Yeah. So like don't I think when people try to like sell their music, just like I need to make money from my music, you gotta be a little mm -hmm. bit more creative than that. 
Well, it's certainly a modern day approach and musicians need to think outside the box. It's not that music has no value, but your music is a product and can be sold in the form of physical CDs or downloads, you know, directly to your fans and upsells through t-shirts and merch, as well as leveraging those brand sponsorships that you talked about. But obviously it's the music comes first and without it, you really don't have any monetization opportunities. On that note, what would you say is probably takes to have a successful music career these days? I think we touched on the importance of getting online, but uh, you know, as a professional musician, what have you kind of learned along the way to make it all work? <laughs> <laughs> uh well you know it's funny because like it depends on where you fit into this because mm-hmm. um there's so many levels or not even necessarily levels there's so many avenues where mm-hmm. you can be at and being a musician so like just for example so if you want to be a um a sideman so you want to play in other people's bands and make them sound good uh, your job in that case is to be able to learn music fast, mm-hmm. make it sound the way that artist wants it to sound or better than what they imagined it. Actually, really, you want to make it sound better than what they imagined it because then you really keep the gig mm-hmm. and be easy to work with. So, yeah, I think the whole thing boils down to value. You have to provide value to mm-hmm. whatever whatever uh, your goal is. So like I said, if you want to be a sideman, your person that you're trying to please is the band leader. So you learn the music fast, you make it sound at least as good as he imagines it to be, if not better than what they imagine it to be. And you got to be easy to work with. If Mm -hmm. you're a uh, artist, your goal is to make great music that that resonates with people, Mm -hmm. that makes people want to see what you have to offer. You know, and and then on top of that, you want to get gigs. So if you want to get gigs, then um, the way you deal with that is you have to provide value to the clubs. Mm -hmm. The clubs want butts in the seats. So the more fans that you can get, the more Mm -hmm. valuable you are to that club or festival or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, then your goal is no longer, you know, trying to please some random musician Honestly, if you're an artist, you shouldn't care what musicians think about you. (laughs) The only person that you care about if you're an artist is that person that's sitting down that just got off their job looking for something to do. That's the only Mm -hmm. person that matters to you. You know, Mm -hmm. like if you if you're an artist, I don't care if someone says you can't play B flat seven. So what? (laughs) Mm. But if you're a side man and you can't play B flat seven then you got a problem. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what are you currently working on? You said you had an EP coming out and then this live stream that you did for the concerts. And I guess it's just, mm-hmm. just more of that. Yeah, just more of that. Um, yeah. So right now I just, I just finished the, uh, the Virtual Vibes concert last night. So I get to take a day to have a beer mm-hmm. <laughs> and chill for a second. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's important. <laughs> you know, it gets stressful. But uh, after now, I'll just be on to the next project. Um, I'm working on a project with a rapper uh, mm. by the name of Tef Poe. Uh, mm. We've been talking about collaborating for a while. 
So I'll be making um, some beats for him, uh, trying to get that that going. And uh, then I've been I've been getting into like music licensing. So I got a couple mm-hmm. libraries. I got to finish some music for them. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing is that if you want to make music nowadays, that's probably a good avenue to go into too. Is trying to get yeah. your music in the movies and stuff because yeah. uh, they 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 gonna keep making movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They need music for it. Um, but yeah, that and then just working on the next uh, live concert that I'll be doing. Oh, I guess now is actually festival submission season too. So oh, yeah, that's. Uh... Yeah, another thing I guess uh, important too is planning ahead too. You oh yeah, that's a oh that's the, one of the main things. If yeah. you're an artist, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm saying this because I've made this mistake many years in a row, mm-hmm. and I'm like, and then it's not until like the past couple of years when I made sure I'm like, I'm not making this mistake again. You have to plan at least nine months in advance at a Mm -hmm. minimum nine months in advance because these festivals and these performing arts centers, they book their, they book their stuff at the minimum nine months in advance, sometimes Mm -hmm. two years in advance, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when you're talking to like art museums and whatnot. So um, definitely like right now is the time to be looking at summer, Mm. you know, because you never know COVID might be taken care of by the summertime and certain festivals might be going on yeah. and you're going to be looking around like Bobo the Fool if you're sitting around like, oh man, I wish I submitted to that festival because I wasn't sure it was going to happen next year. Right. <laughs> so is it uh, to that point too, uh, it, it brought up an interesting point. So, you know, are you, are you thinking about that? Like in terms of well, like some of the bookings, like in the future, like maybe, uh, in, you know, having, uh, are you finding that, uh, you know, that they're kind of, thinking about COVID and maybe have that force majeure clause or something in contracts or something, you know? Um, so, so try, trying to navigate that. I mean, is it, is it, you know, with the gigs being canceled, are you, are you looking at it a different way in terms of the bookings? Like, you know, maybe that so that you still get paid from it or, or uh, if it ends up being canceled or, um, you know, are you, are you thinking about that or how, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely something to be thinking about. Um, uh, I haven't thought of what to say in, mm. in terms of uh, how that's going to work right now. Um, I know what Live Nation has said, which mm. is pretty crazy. Have you heard about what they said? No. Oh, God. They didn't. They didn't. They raking musicians through the coals, man. Mm. It, it's some kind of stuff where it's like musicians going to have to band together and make their own festival. Mm. So they made a uh, so all of all the people who was on all the Live Nation festivals already got this got this contract in the mail. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like if you were on a festival this year that got canceled and they're moving you to next year, your contract now is going to be twenty percent less than what it was before. Off wow. top, okay, that's just the beginning. You got to take a twenty percent pay cut. Period. Everybody. Mm. Then on top of that, uh, you if they cancel on the gig, they are only responsible to pay you. I think it's either twenty or twenty five percent of what the fee is supposed to be. So mm. they take twenty percent off the top. 
then if they cancel it for any reason, low ticket sales or because of COVID and they have to shut it down, mm. they only have to pay you 20% of what they promised you, right? Mm. Okay. So that's, I'm like, okay, we're trying to work together. That sucks, but okay, well, we can rock with it, right? Mm. But what makes it really bad is that the other clause that says, if you as a musician cancels on this gig for any reason, you have to pay Live Nation twice of what they said they were going to pay you. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's crazy. That is crazy. How are you going to make them pay you double when if you cancel, you only pay us 20%? That's not fair. No. The value of musicians is kind of undermined by that. So for sure. Oh, God. I couldn't believe it. When I heard that, I was just like, yo, like, and that, that's not just like, that's not just like the opening acts. That's like Mm. the big, the big guys. That's Mm. like if Kanye West was booked for, for a festival and he Mm. canceled, he got to pay them double what his fee. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> so you know in, in this instance it was one of the things where like everybody wants to play these like super super big festivals and everything mm. you know don't forget about these smaller festivals or like uh, you know uh, like mm. an avenue that i found to be pretty cool that don't nobody think about is um state fairs mm. Mm. like yo a state fair is awesome man like you can make so much money at a freaking state fair and you don't mm. have to be super famous. It's a way to, it's a way to build uh, an audience, first mm-hmm. of all, and a young audience for that matter. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you're a new act and plus you get paid well, so it's able, you're able to book tours around that. That can be an anchor gig for you. Mm. You can make three, four or $5,000 on this, um, on, on the state fair gig mm-hmm. and then and they'll put you up in a hotel, you know what I'm saying? And then you can go do a club gig that's close by. Mm-hmm. You could do a club gig in the same city if you're playing at the state fair and it's not against the contract. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's a great, great, great uh, message to think outside the box and, and uh, you know, find creative ways to, to create opportunities for yourself. Mm -hmm. So let's take a listen to the third track from your Virtual Vibes EP. This one is titled Echo. Just close your eyes, get inside your mind. What do you see inside? Are you free to fly? Just close your eyes Are you high on life or hardened by the strife? Do you feel inside? It's time we let go, let love let go It's time we let go, let love let go
Thanks for joining the podcast today, Donald. Is there any parting words, uh, advice for, for musicians trying to, to make it out there? <laughs> uh, see here, parting words. <laughs> Don't let nobody tell you what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if you want it, go for it. Like, mm-hmm. make it happen. Mm-hmm. Because ain't nobody going to give you nothing. Don't nobody care that you're having a hard time as a musician. Your, your landlord still want, needs you to pay your rent. Otherwise, you're going to get kicked out. It's the same mm. thing. So make it happen. You know, you just, I don't know, you just got to find a way. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. We hope that Donald's insight on getting started with live streaming and monetizing your music online gave you some ideas to apply in your own work as a professional musician. During this time of COVID-19, with all its limitations, uncertainties, and hardships, it's essential that musicians keep sight of what's most important in their lives, music. Their musical activities, a majority of which involve being social, have been dramatically curtailed by changes imposed from the outside, most of which are beyond their control. These are emotional and financial issues as well as the disturbing politicization of the virus itself. As a result, many of the various resources on which we depend have been severely impacted. To that end, MFM is launching its first fundraiser, 
running from October 15th through November 15th. And we reach out to all of you musicians and music lovers for financial support and seeks your active participation in realizing MFM's mission. To get involved, please visit our website at musiciansformusicians.org for more information. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.